0: Helping you unwind after a long day of work. I think he's kind of a boob. You can't really take in the day south as a person. You can't go out there and be a moron. It doesn't work like that. The Nightcap. We're eating you your food. On WGR Sports Radio 550. A brief, shortened nightcap tonight. Not brief, you know, an hour. Half. I'm a glass half full kind of guy so it's a it's a show half full today got you till eight o'clock tonight and then we'll get you to Thursday Night Football Titans and Jaguars not the sexiest matchup ever in fact it's probably about as bad as you can get for a primetime NFL matchup. the Titans and the Jaguars a Thursday night Classic dating back to 2014 or whatever. Gardner Minshew, though, he's interesting. There's a couple things to look for in this game. Uh, most of them are fantasy-related things or gambling-related things, if you look at the game straight up. Uh, you know, you think about it from the Bills' perspective, these are two teams I should expect to be better than. I hope. The Jaguars, especially at this point, without Nick Foles. And the Titans are an annoying 8-9 win team every single year, and I don't expect them to be much different than that. So you're hoping they're better than that. So we'll get to the Titans and Jaguars. I know I just did a great job previewing it for you, but hey, it's NFL football. And it's on WGR tonight. That's that's really all you need. And uh, that'll get going in just about 50 minutes. So I got a little bit of time here. I want to do a little hockey towards the end of the show. Maybe talk a little bit about the Sabres. I know Brandon Montour, a big injury with him. Uh, maybe not super big, but... Doesn't sound like he's going to play in the season opener, and maybe that affects Arista line and trade. Maybe that affects how they approach their blue line going into it. They're very deep. Uh, We'll talk about that throughout the night. And, of course, uh, I want your calls at 803-0550. Talking mostly Bills here as they are a couple of days away now from opening up the season at New Era Field. 2-0 on the road. Two bad teams, but you took care of the business you were supposed to take care of. And, you know, they weren't gimme games. The Giants were a gimme game. They were down 16-0 to the Jets. They were on their way to 0-1. So they deserve a good amount of credit, I think, for coming back in that game and avoiding what would have been. I mean, what would the narrative be right now if they're 1-1 going into this game instead of 2-0? Well, not only is it now the Bills are expected to beat the Bengals, It would change into, you have to beat the Bengals, and you're probably not a six-point favorite, maybe you're a three-point favorite, and you're not getting as much hype around the league as a lot of people are giving them, and you probably don't feel as confident about even Josh Allen as you do right now, because he's the one who leads that comeback. So it's a different type of feeling just because of that one half they had in the first game against the Jets. And they weren't tested very much against the Giants, so they did their job, but they weren't tested. The Bengals might not test them very much either. I'm already looking forward to New England. I'm already looking ahead to that team. It's not just a measuring stick for the Bills for me. It's a measuring stick for New England. Because I'm still trying to figure out really how good they are. You you know that they are still really good, right? They're still a playoff team. They're still, when when we reach the playoffs, they're still going to be the favorite. But are they on that peak New England level? Are they on the 07 level? Are they like some of the best teams New England has had? There's just no doubt about them ever. And they just go all the way. Now, there are other New England teams on the lower end of the spectrum who a lot of people have questioned throughout the season and into the playoffs. And, you know, a lot of times they end up getting there anyway, but there's always questions surrounding them. And this team right now is kind of in flux. Antonio Brown, is he going to play? Is Rob Gronkowski going to come back? Is Josh Gordon going to not get himself suspended again? Is he going to stick out through the entire season? Is Julian Edelman going to stay healthy? Like is all of the stuff going to fit together? Are they going to continue are they going to get healthy on the offensive line? Because if that doesn't happen, if some of that stuff doesn't happen, I'm still thinking they're a little bit vulnerable. But we don't know that yet. They haven't had a real test. Miami, nothing And Pittsburgh, man, I don't know. I don't know if I'm supposed to give New England all the credit for that. Pittsburgh just didn't look right. Roethlisberger didn't look right. Receivers dropping balls all over the place, especially Dante Moncrief. If you had him in fantasy, you know what that's about. Dude's got like five drops already this season on like six targets. It's insane. They looked a little off. And they looked a little off in their last game, too, against San Francisco. So next week, you don't want to look straight past the Bengals, but how much is the Bengals going to tell us? They should beat them. I guess if they don't, and that maybe makes the game important, then that's that's a setback. Suddenly, I'm not thinking about 10 wins almost at all. I'm not. I'm sure some people will, but I won't be thinking about 10. Certainly won't be thinking about 11. I'll be back to, can I make it in a 9-7? Because you got to be able to beat a team like Cincinnati, I think, if you want to approach the 10-11 win mark. New England next week. Do they have the firepower on paper to keep up? We know the Bills have the defense to match New England. You can do as good a job as you want defending them, but you know they're going to get their points. They're going to get 24, 26, 30-plus points almost every time they play you. Do the Bills have the offense to consistently keep up with that? New England's got a pretty good defense, so it's not nothing to get 30 points against them. Do they have the firepower to do it? And I think you still have to question that, even though they're 5-5 of in the red zone, and Josh Allen looks not only good, but he looks efficient, and Devin Singletary looks really good, and they're getting good production from some rookie tight ends. And John Brown and Cole Beasley look like great free agent additions. All of it looks pretty good so far. The offensive line. All of it looks pretty good. But will it all gel together when they really play the big boys? When they play New England. When they play Philly. When they play Dallas. Baltimore. New England again. That's really it. Good thing about the schedule is that's really about it. And I'm not sold yet the offense can do it. But I'm optimistic the Bills offense can do it. A couple of things they need, I think, to reach that, that point. And one of them is skilled positions. I'm very impressed with their wide receivers. I don't think you have to think much about them. Now, I'd like to see Robert Foster playing above Zay Jones, but that's not a major thing to me. Running back and tight end. I know they think they're deep at running back and I was actually optimistic about Frank Gore coming into the season, and he's been okay, but he's been not quite what he was last year, and he's kind of reverted back to what he was a couple years ago when the Colts didn't want to re-sign him. He's, you know, plug and play. He's going to get you three and a half yards of carry. He'll do the job fine, but you're not getting a lot of dynamic plays. You're not getting a lot of explosive uh, hits through the hole. You're not getting the catching Whereas last year, we kind of saw a different revitalized Frank Gore in a different offense. And I thought that him coming to the Bills off that year in Miami last season where he was really good, well above average in yards per carry, about five yards per carry, much better than Lashawn McCoy was, that the Bills would be able to keep that going. Through two games, he's had a couple nice plays, but otherwise he's just kind of looked like a guy. And when... I'm thinking about the Bills and what they really need on their offense long-term still. They are dynamic playmakers, guys that you can throw a screen pass to, and they're a threat to take it to the house. And the only two guys I think you have on your offense right now where that can be a legitimate thought. I could throw a screen pass to this guy, and he can go all the way. I think about John Brown for that, and I think about Devin Singletary for that. And that's about it. Those are really your most dynamic players and really your only real dynamic players. I watched the Chiefs last week, and they're a team I like to compare the Bills to a lot because I want the Bills to build their offense in the same light that they do. The Chiefs, even their depth players, are all dynamic playmakers. Tyreek Hill goes out, who might be the best at it in the league. There you go. There's Mecole Hardman, who they just drafted, who can take it to the house. At any moment. There's Demarcus Robinson, who they can just plug in and play, and he can do the same thing. There's DeAnthony Thomas, who's like their sixth wide receiver. Same thing. Little, fast, speed, quickness. Dynamic. They have it everywhere. And the Bills don't really have it everywhere. They have a couple of guys, and they have some nice players on the offense. They have good depth, but they don't have depth in the dynamic. Capacity. So, if Singletary does not play this week, here's my thought. He's not the most dynamic player in the world. I'd like to see a lot more of TJ Yeldon this week. I'd like to see a lot more of TJ Yeldon. I'd like to see him utilized in the pass game. I'd like to see him utilized as a receiver. I'd like to see him utilized on screen passes. And honestly, I'd like to see him used as much as Frank Gore. If Devin Singletary is not playing. Now, this is a kind of a debate going on in fantasy right now. You look in the rankings, and Frank Gore is ranked pretty high because a lot of people are expecting some big volume for him. 19 carries last week, that coming off the heels of Devin Singletary being injured. Now, this week, you would probably expect that number to be relatively the same, right? 19 carries maybe for Frank Gore. If he doesn't get to that, you would think maybe it's a little lower, but not much. But, what about the catching? What about the volume in the receptions? What about the touchdowns? and I'd like to see Yeldon kind of utilized in that way. We know he can catch the ball. We know he's a big back who can use it in short yardage situations, and I think he's very capable because of his starting experience with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He has the capability of taking on a pretty sizable workload if you need him to. So I'd like to see Yeldon kind of Merged into this offense more than he's been because he really hasn't been. Not a lot of snaps. The clear and the far and away third running back on this team. Not even used much in passing downs, which I think a lot of people thought might happen. Not on short yardage. Will they use him? Because I do think he's a weapon. He's not the best weapon in the world. There's a reason he's a third string running back, but he's a guy that the Bills can use, I think, if they need him to. And I think he would do a pretty good job as long as he doesn't fumble. I mean, just don't fumble, because that's been one of his issues. Just don't fumble, and I think you'll be okay. The other position that, that I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about keeping up with teams like New England, those really good offenses, can I keep up with them? It's tight end right now. Two games in, it's gone pretty well. The two rookies, Sweeney and Dawson Knox, have both done a pretty good job and Lee Smith's just a blocker, but that's really all you can expect from him. Tyler Croft, I think a lot of people were hoping to see him on Sunday, see what he's got. He was coming into the season, the Bills starting tight end. They paid him to be the starting tight end. And we didn't get to see him in the preseason. We didn't get to see him in training camp. We didn't get to see him in the first two games. You'd like to be able to see how he operates in this offense on Sunday. He re-injures his ankle. Not re-injures. He injures his other ankle don't know the severity of it yet maybe it's minor maybe he plays on Sunday maybe though we have to start preparing for the fact that this guy is injury prone and you know you win some you lose some the bills have gotten away with uh paying some injury prone players in, in the past year they paid Trent Murphy coming off a torn ACL they paid uh, Kevin Johnson uh the corner after missing an entire season they paid Tyler Croft coming off foot surgery. They're not afraid to go after a player who's talented who might have availability issues. And Croft might be the one they don't get away with it. He was okay in Cincinnati. He was even good in Cincinnati. But if he's not going to be on the field for you, what do I now have at tight end? And I think Dawson Knox has done a phenomenal job in a couple of blocks this season. Now they haven't gotten much out of the pass game from them. Maybe Josh Allen doesn't want to use tight ends in general. A lot of quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, I think, for this. Not trying to compare you know, Allen to Rodgers too much, but Aaron Rodgers is amazing. The most talented quarterback in NFL history has never used the tight end position, no matter who they've had. Jermichael Finley was like a really good athlete at tight end. Hardly used him. And there was like one year where he did. They bring in Jimmy Graham, who's one of the better athletic tight ends in the league. Pass-catching tight end. Doesn't really use him that much. He's never really used that position. Maybe Allen's just a guy that's not going to use tight end very often. But then again, maybe he'd like to, and he doesn't have the bodies there right now. So, in the... in the. In the spirit of thinking about trades in the past couple of days, which has kind of been more uh, related to Jalen Ramsey, who I'll talk about in a little bit here. He's expected to play tonight against the Titans, which is just crazy to me. We've talked a lot about Jalen Ramsey, right? What about tight end? We, we talked about receiver, too. A.J. Green is the most popular idea that fans bring up. Can we trade for A.J. Green? We had a guy call in to the afternoon show today uh, to show up in, uh, in Sal and ask them if we could trade for Mike Evans. And just like, come, come on, dude. Like, it's not happening. But that's the kind of guy fans want to trade for. That's the idea floating around in people's minds. Well, what about tight end? What about tight end? Because the thing about it is, you know who the studs in the league are. You know who the elite guys are. You know you're not getting your hands on them. But there's a secondary level, a secondary tier of tight ends that, hey, if the Bills are going through this season, and they're good. They're legitimately good, which they've kind of shown that they could be through two games. And we look around the roster and we think to ourselves, man, this team has got everything. They've got a decent starter at pretty much every position. They've got depth at pretty much every position, offense and defense. Except maybe tight end. Maybe tight end would be the exception. You've got a seventh-round rookie, a third-round rookie who by his own admission, uh, was raw coming into the league, uh, and a veteran guy who only blocks. Couldn't I use a legitimate starting tight end if Tyler Croft cannot stay healthy, which might not be the case, or what might be the case? He's missed now 13 games going back to the beginning of last season. It's a lot. He's played five games since 2016. Like, almost go back three years. The guy's played five football games. So, I might be hesitant to just assume I'm going to get him back. And if this ankle injury is severe, or maybe you just can't expect him to get healthy for you. It's just too much. I could see throwing an asset or two down on a tight end. I kind of like that idea more than even the Jalen Ramsey idea. Because, one, there really isn't a tight end the level that I'm thinking about here, like the George Kittles, the Travis Kelseys, the Zach Ertz's, maybe Zach Ertz, but there really isn't that caliber of guy out there that I think you could reasonably trade for. It would we're talking like maybe like a like a third round pick for a guy or a fourth round pick for a guy, maybe a second round pick for a guy. We're not talking about a major trade, but a trade, and maybe a solid one for a position, maybe the only position that you've got some questionable depth. And some questionable starting players at right now. So, just looking at, you know, who's coming up in free agency? Who's a team that might be looking to unload a tight end who they might not be able to re-sign anyway? And I, I landed on a couple of guys. So I want to go through those real quick. A couple of tight ends that, hey, if the Bills get really good and they keep going down this path, they keep winning games, and they get to a point where Tyler Croft, they can't trust him to be on the field. Is there a guy at tight end that we could put on this roster and now really say, truly say, hey, we got it all. We got a guy everywhere. And to me, there's a couple. So let's go through them. Starting with the Indianapolis Colts. They've got a couple of guys. And keep in mind, I think for any guy I toss out here right now, their team will have to struggle for this guy to be available. Because, for instance, if the Colts start winning games a lot, which could happen, might not, but it could happen. If they start winning games and they're in the a legitimate playoff race, they're not trading a guy. But if they struggle, then maybe this could happen. Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle—they are both upcoming restricted, or they're both upcoming free agents, unrestricted free agents. They'll have to make a decision there because both of those guys are good. Maybe one more than the other. Ebron's more of the pass catcher. Doyle's more all-around. Will they want to pay big money to keep two tight ends? They might, but that might be hard for me to believe that they'll be able to swing that snap count always splitting it up one of them might want to leave anyway and become a full-time starter somewhere else so can i get one of those guys can i wrestle away one of the colts tight ends eric ebron or jack doyle i might want to think the jack doyle would be the one that if they struggle would be more available other guys that are free agents that you know vance mcdonald darren waller uh those guys i think would be tough to to rip away from their team so i don't really see that happening a much lesser level guy here. Go some for some older guys. Vernon Davis for the uh, for the Redskins. We saw him on uh, week one. With a, with a incredible touchdown. He leaps over a cornerback. He showed that he still has got some athleticism. He's been starting for them while Jordan Reed's been missing games. Uh, Jordan Reed's expected to be back on the field, if not this week. Next week, he's been dealing with a, a concussion. So Vernon Davis kind of playing a, a backup role right now with the Redskins, only starting when there's an injury. He's still shown he's got some athleticism. He's a veteran. He's only got one year left in his deal, and he would be really cheap. And I think, honestly, tomorrow he'd probably be the Bills' starting tight end. So Vernon Davis is another cheap option that they could take a look at maybe later in the season. And another one, Greg Olson. I'm going back to Carolina. It makes sense, right? Sean McDermott, he's familiar with them. Brandon Bean, he's familiar with them. Man, the Panthers with Cam Newton injured, that guy could get shelved for the year at some point if this keeps in this direction. Uh, They're going to rest him this week probably, see if he can get healthy by the midpoint of the season um, or even by next week. But Carolina's lost seven starts in a row, I think, with Cam Newton at the helm. They're not on track to be a very good team. And if they fall out of contention, they could put Cam Newton on the shelf, put him on IR, and they might want to give a 36-year-old tight end who last week proved he's still got some juice left in the tank. I think he caught 11 balls for 100 and some yards. The guy is – or seven catches maybe for 100 and some yards. He had over 100 yards last Thursday night. He's still got some juice left in the tank. This is – Almost for sure his final season in the NFL. He might want to take one last crack at being on a good team, getting to the playoffs, doing some damage, and why not do it with two guys who you're familiar with and Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. It's another guy they could take a look at. And you know what? I'll toss him in here. I mentioned him. I don't really think it's realistic. It's not realistic. This would be more of an offseason thing. Zach Ertz, dare I? You're not getting an elite wide receiver. I just don't think that guy's going to be out there. Zach Ertz, though, hey, he's an elite tight end. He's an elite pass catcher. And he's expensive. And Philly's got a really good young tight end behind him in Dallas Goddard. A second-round pick who they could put in right now as a starting tight end, and they they would maybe skip a beat, but not much. Like He's legitimately good and might even end up being as good as Zach Ertz, and they might want to take a look at him. So that's more of an offseason type of idea, though. But... There's a, there's a couple of guys to throw at you. So when you're thinking about, hey, would you want the Bills to trade for Jalen Ramsey, keep that in mind. There are other positions that the Bills might want to add to on offense, like tight end and like wide receiver, that if a guy became available later in the season, you might want to have some extra ammo to go get him. And on, that, on the heels of that, if you heard my show yesterday, I'm, I'm making a point here that I'd like to see them, if they make a trade this year, do it for an offensive player. I still kind of like the Jalen Ramsey idea. It's just an elite player, but I don't think it's going to happen. The Bills were not in the list um, that was reported today of teams that have put substantive off substantive offers on him, and um, I think I would kind of chalk it up that they're not going to do that at this point. Anyways, 803-0550 is the phone number. We'll continue to preview Bills and Bengals when we come back, and also a last look at Jalen Ramsey, the whole situation. He's going to play tonight. What? It makes no sense. We'll get into that when we come back. A little bit of hockey before we get out of here as well. It's a nightcap with Jody Biase. Looking for your calls at 803 0550. Call in the next five minutes. We'll get you right on hold, and we'll get you on right after the break here in WGR. hoping to come back and come back stronger, come back stronger than I was. And because that first game, you know, I felt like I wasn't myself. I wasn't playing like myself. I felt, you know, a little more uncomfortable than I had been in the preseason and in training camp. So just looking to come back strong, come back, you know, knowing the offense just that much more and, and uh, you know, playing well. Sam Darnold says he was not feeling himself against the Bills. How about that? Does a healthy Sam Darnold beat the Bills in that game? I mean, he missed some glorious opportunities down the stretch. There was a bomb to Robbie Anderson that he missed on that would have ended the game. Um, we'll never know. But uh, he says he wasn't. The Jets are 22.5-point underdogs to New England. 22.5. The team was supposed to be Competitive. Not even close right now. The AFC East is kind of a a joke on the bottom with Miami and the Jets. Both are 20-point underdogs. And, you know, Miami's the team getting more flack, obviously, than the Jets. The Jets are kind of in the bottom right now because of circumstance. Because Darnold uh, gets mono, and then Trevor Simeon breaks his ankle, and C.J. Mosley gets hurt, and Le'Veon Bell is banged up. Like They've just gotten really unlucky with injuries uh, so far. Whereas the Dolphins are doing this on purpose. Totally. Like, they're, they're so easily, it's so easy to see they're doing this on purpose. They have traded every veteran player with any sort of value away. Who's left? The only guys left playing for the Dolphins are, oh my goodness, I'm sorry, I just got distracted. I'm looking up an NFL Network, they're previewing Thursday Night Football, and they are doing, all oh, 100 greatest plays to promo. And there's the forward lateral. Again, Music City Miracle. Anyways, where was I? The Dolphins doing this on purpose. So. Is this any different than what went on here in the NHL with the Sabres? Is that any different? I, they deserve no... I, I have no problem with what they're doing. None. None at all. Because what it's almost, it's not the same as like the Sabers for instance when McDavid and Eichel, you finish last you know you're getting a stud you're getting a great player no matter what both are generational and Miami is doing this right now going into a season where the quarterback class is expected to be one of the best Right, as good as two years ago, and much better than last season. Like a much better quarterback class coming up than this past season, where they didn't take a quarterback, and that's fine. That makes sense, right? So you want to make sure you get one of those guys. Tua uh, Tagovailoa in uh, Alabama right now looks like not a generational prospect, but he looks like pretty darn sure thing. Guy's accurate. The guy's mobile. The guy's the right size. He's got a big arm. Like he's got it all. And there's more. It's not just him. Herbert in, uh, in Oregon. Uh, this love kid who I think plays uh, in Stanford maybe? I forget. Um, there's a couple of them. And they want to make sure they get one. And they want the best one. And what else are you doing this year anyway? Why would you want to be 6-10? and 10? Why would you want to be 5-11? and 11? Why would you want to be what the Jets were a couple years ago? Remember what the Jets were a couple years ago? They could have had Baker Mayfield. They could have had him. But their coach, who got so much credit for winning five games there, cost them that. Because he had to go win five games. Five meaningless games. Like the Bills with uh, with Chan. Was it 2010? Before Cam Newton comes out? They're 0-8. And they gotta go 4-4 and down the stretch for a momentum into the next season. They gotta go 4-4 and into the next season. Because... We're professionals and we got to do it our way and we got to, it's all so dumb and pointless. If you're not going to be good, if you don't intend on being good, if you don't intend on competing for the Super Bowl that year or the next year after that, like an immediate time frame, then nobody should have any problem with bottoming out. Nobody should have any problem with being what Miami is right now. Because guess what? In two years, if they end up drafting first overall, and they get Tua, they're going to be better off for it. They're going to be much better off for it. The value of getting that quarterback versus five, six wins, which let's be honest, let's be let's be real here for a second. The Dolphins bring back everybody. They bring back Tannehill. They bring back, hey, even Frank Gore. They bring back Kenny Stills. They don't trade Minka Fitzpatrick. They bring back Cameron Wake. Is that team winning more than six or seven games? They're probably not. Unless they get really lucky. They're not better than a six or seven win team. And they've been doing that for how long? They've been stuck in Tannehill purgatory. He's he's fine. He'll get you the seven wins. But not more. And they had been doing that over and over and over and over. And what's your pathway to doing something else? It's moving on from him, starting over, and making sure that the next quarterback you bring in is going to be better than that. And that's kind of been my fear about what happens here with Josh Allen. Kind of along the lines of the Tannehill Purgatory. Um, Kind of deviating now from the, the whole Dolphins tanking conversation. I want him to not I want him to be great or terrible and I don't want the in between and that might feel weird rolling off the tongue, but I don't want to be the Raiders with Derek Carr or the Bengals with Andy Dalton or the Dolphins for years with Tannehill or the Ravens for years with Flacco. I just don't want to be stuck in the middle like that. You want to know and you want to know if he's great. And if he's not, if he's something in between, I'd like to think the Bills are going to have the wherewithal to move on from him. Now, the good news is he's trending towards being better than that, right? He's got more tools than all of those guys. And to be honest, it's only two games, but two games in, he's looking pretty good. He's looking pretty efficient. So I hope that he's better than what that was because that's important. And the Bills haven't even had that. So we haven't really even had this debate. And maybe Allen will be the first one we have with it. I hope that he does not But the Bills haven't even had... Tyrod was close to this. Even Fitz was close to this. The quarterback that, hey, we can win with this guy. And that's the difference. That's why you move on from Tyrod and go for Allen. And that's why it is so important that they nailed that pick. Because you don't just want... We can win with that quarterback. You want, we are going to win with that quarterback. That's what the Chiefs are saying right now, right? Every single Kansas City Chiefs fan looks at Pat Mahomes and says, we are going to win with that guy. Every Green Bay Packer fan, when Aaron Rodgers was coming out of the scene, was saying, we are going to win with that guy. And that's different than, like, what's a Raider fan doing right now? Or last year or the year before? They're looking at Darren Carr and saying, we can win with Derek Carr. I'm sure Bengals fans all the time go, we can win with Andy Dalton. The Ravens, they knew they could win with Joe Flacco. But there's a big, big difference between that middle-tier quarterback and that upper-echelon guy. And it's vitally important that Allen hit that. Vitally important. And the good news is they're giving him every single tool in year two to do it. They didn't surround him with the proper mechanics and the proper uh, scheme and the proper weapons or offensive line to do it in year one. And that's why I was kind of very critical of them in year one for that. They brought a rookie quarterback into the fold and they the offense wasn't ready for him. It's like they're building a house for Josh Allen and they wanted him to move in before the house was done. Well, now the house appears to be done so now it's time to go and that's kind of why I think it's working to be honest that's why it's working a lot better than last year you have receivers getting separation you have a scheme that's designing them to get open you have an offensive line that can protect for your quarterback and you've got a running back a young one that is dynamic in Singletary that's why I hope he plays on Sunday so you know all this being said Let's have Allen be better than that middle-tier quarterback. Please let that happen. Please let that happen. Even like Dak Prescott. Even better than that. If I were a Cowboys fan, I'd be shouting from the mountaintops right now, do not pay him $35 million a year. Don't do that. He's good. But, he again, he is the I can win with Dak Prescott. And that's not the same as, I'm going to win with Dak Prescott. He needs a great offensive line. He needs a great running back. He needs his defense to be pretty good. Or, I think you're in trouble if you're Dallas. And they've got all of that, so that's fine. But I think you're in trouble if you're Dallas, if all of that goes awry. 8030550 is the phone number. Last call in the nightcap after this. A little fantasy talk and a quick word on the Sabres, who uh, are down one defenseman who I was really excited to see uh, coming to the year. It's going to be a shame if he doesn't play the opener because uh, I really wanted to see this guy play uh, early in the year and how he fit with the team. 8030550 is the phone number. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biassi, about 15 minutes away from getting you to Thursday Night Football here on WGR. You know, you hate to say it, but like an 82-game season is a grind. You know, it's a long season, and, and there's nights where you give up a goal at the wrong time. It could be a backbreaker, right? Teams can lose momentum, and, and that might be what it takes for a team to drop it that night. So I think a good goal, you know, is just consistent, and, and a big, timely save is what we need. And I think for us, that's something that, you know, we're going to thrive on this year, and something that Ralph's talked about a lot here is being a little more consistent in our end and having good layers and being a little more predictable. Carter Hutton, the Sabres goalie. You're going to start hearing some Sabre players more and more. We are... Are we two weeks away? Hold on a second. Are we two weeks away from the Sabre season? The third? Pittsburgh? Right? I think that's it. I think we're two weeks away from the Sabre season. That's quick. Yeah. Yeah. My computer's acting slow, so I can't really tell. Um, But I'm pretty sure we are two weeks away. Wow. Um, Isn't that something? That can't be right. It is right. All right. Um, Anyways, there's uh, some stuff going on with the Sabres right now, injury-wise. And uh, Brandon Montour is probably not, it sounds like, going to play in the opener. So... That's a big hit, man. I wanted to see what he looked like on this blue line. I wanted to see him on the top pair to begin the season. I think he's their best right-shot defenseman on the team currently. Um, They traded for him to be. And his being here is part of the reason that you have been opened up to trade Ristolainen. And even the other part of it is if Ristolainen is still here, which I'm not against. It's not my least favorite idea. And part of that is... Because if he's here, because of the other guys you got, he's on your second or third pair. And that's what we've been trying to do for years. Now they can finally do it. They finally have the defenseman to push him down. They never did. Now they do. And one of the guys that was going to be there to push him down the lineup is now Hurt. And what happens the day it happens? Or the day that it's announced? Practice. Who's Ristolainen skating with? Dallen. Top pair. Here we go. And let me get this straight. You know, even if Ristolainen was playing top pair, but it was with Darlene, I you know, he should look better with Darlene than he does with the other guys. That didn't really happen a whole lot last year, but I'm thinking Darlene is going to be a lot better in his second year. There's a video that I think Matt Beauvais of WKBW tweeted out today, and man, Darlene just looks, like, amazing. Amazing. He's, he's going around them because giergensen like the guy plays in the ECHL. And I'm excited for that. Pilots numbers... With Ristolainen, we're good. Ristolainen's numbers with Pilot, were good. That is the match made in heaven if this guy is still on the team. It's Pilot and Ristolainen. Problem is, Pilot's hurt. And I don't even know if he's in their top six if the season starts tomorrow. He should be in their top six, but I don't know if he is. Because ideally, if you're completely healthy and you still have all the defensemen that are on your roster right now, where there's like a dozen of them, by the way, who's your top six? It's Darlene, Montour, Pilot, Ristolainen, Colin Miller, and Jake McCabe. No, it's not. I want Yoki Haru in there somewhere. Um, honestly, it's Yoki Haru and and Colin Miller and McCabe is probably your seventh. But that's what five righties, four righties. Um so I guess he could do it but that would be like your top 7 at least let's say that McCabe as the 7th and that's not counting Scandella or Bogosian or Casey Nelson or Will Borgan man they've got so many bodies here and I just cannot see a scenario that the Ristoline and- makes it very long into the season. He might be here opening night, and maybe he even should be here opening night so that they don't rush a trade and make teams think that, hey, I got to get this done before the season starts because that's when you can really get screwed over on value. Um, But they've got so many guys. And I'm hoping Montour gets a speedy recovery because, as I said, I think he is their best right shot defenseman on the team currently. All right, thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. You can check it out on demand at WGR550.com. Thursday Night Football, next Titans Jaguars right here on WGR.